how's it going, everyone? Evolutionary Podcast, episode 508. Steve and the Mobster joining me. How's it going, buddy? Oi, oi, let's go. Kicking ass. Today, our peptide series continues once again. This time, we're going to talk about GHRP-2. And we're going to talk about doses, cycles, benefits, and side effects. This is one of the more well-known peptides out there. And like its brother, GHRP-6, it's also a hexapeptide. It's a pure growth hormone, secret agog. And in addition to GHRP-2, it is a synthetic agonist of ghrelin. And unlike GHRP-6, this peptide does not bring on the heavy hunger side effects that you would get with GHRP-6. So you're looking for like me, you already have a ravenous appetite. You don't like getting up in the middle of the night to eat. You don't like waking up in the morning, starving, like, oh, my God, I got to eat something. So GHRP-2 has, uh, has the advantage of GHRP-6. Now, if you're the opposite and you're looking to boost your hunger, you're looking to get in a lot more calories, a lot more carbs, lots more fats, lots more protein, looking to up things, Yeah. then the GHRP-2 may not be the one for you necessarily. So let's talk about it, Monster. Um, and we'll we'll see um, a difference. So you're you are going to get some increase in hunger with the GHRP two, yes. just not as much as the six. So, and I would I would say in between GHRP six and IPA, and um, look, it has the ability to be a serious contender when it comes to which GHRP you want to go with. So now let's talk about GHRP two and. Unlike GHRP-6, it does not come with heavy hunger side effect, and it still maintains all the benefits of activating ghrelin. And with ghrelin, it's very important to kind of understand what ghrelin is. It's a regulatory GH secretion that's produced inside the stomach. It's largely regulated by the person's nutritional intake. In nature, <clears throat> ghrelin tells animals to go hunt, go look for food. It's that natural instinct. And with us, our ghrelin levels throughout the day fluctuate up and down. So have you ever been in a situation where, man, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I want to get food? Now, in today's society, we've got refrigerators. We've got 24-7 access yeah. to food. You can call up yeah. on your phone, have a pizza delivered to your door in 20 minutes. You call up the phone, have Chinese food delivered to your door. You can go down the street. Get something to eat. You can stop at the gas station, get something to eat. All right. So food is everywhere. We have freezers, we have pantries, we have food in boxes. So you feel hungry. What do we do? We go to our fridge, we open our fridge, we grab food, we eat it. Now, in the old days, before we had all this stuff, your girlin goes up. Now you go look for food. You don't find food. You go back to your hut or your cave. And you're like, well, I we didn't I didn't find food. Sorry. I guess we're not eating. And then the ghrelin levels go back down. And it's like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. Same thing in nature. An animal goes, looks for food, may not find food. Guess what? The animal is not going to eat. And then the ghrelin goes back down. But then half hour later, hour later, two hours later, whenever, ghrelin goes back up again. You get that pulse of ghrelin, and that tells you to go hunt again. So in nature, that's what keeps 
nature going and the cycle of life. If you ever go to like go on a pier in the ocean and just watch on a, on a clear water day, just watch all the action. You've got the fish going after the shrimp. You've got the sharks going after the, the fish. It's just a rootless thing. And that's what keep that's instinct. You know, they're going to find food. They're going to hunt. So we know that ghrelin increases during times of fasting and anticipation of meals. So yep. Thanksgiving, while the food is being cooked, you get hungry. You're like, oh, my God. So ghrelin actually will increase in anticipation of that Thanksgiving meal. Now, when it comes to fasting, when you fast, your ghrelin levels are going to fluctuate as well. They're going to go up. They're going to go down as you're fasting. It's going to tell you, go hunt for food. It's not going to tell you to eat the food. It's going to go tell you to eat, uh, go hunt for the food. And that's how humans have been able to survive so much over time just from, from that. Um, we know instinctively to go find food when we are impoverished, when we're in a fast. And that that's the signal to us. That's what's kept us as you know, a, a species that has multiplied over time was access to food. Now, when throughout history, when there was not enough food, that's when human beings died off. We had a really hard time. But the more food we have access to, like today, with all this processed junk, the more we do. So, you know, that's that's what happens. Um, and this is the main reason why users who use GHRP6 will experience extreme hunger. Because the peptide mimics the effects of ghrelin acting as if the stomach is in a state of fasting. Now, GHRP2, which we're talking about, does the same. But chemists were able to dial back the severity of the hunger size yeah. with the GHRP2. So you're not going to. So that's really cool. You're, it's They manipulated it so you don't get the severe hunger size. So you're still going to get some, but you're just not going to. It's not going to be so freaking annoying. Where you wake up in an online hungry and you wake up super annoying. So mobster, chime in a little bit on that and we'll get into how specifically it works. Yeah. I mean, here's what we'll do, guys. When you're listening to this podcast and you're doing your research, you're going to hear different things about different peptides and different drugs and different steroids and so on and so forth. So I'm writing down a little bit of show notes here while Steve's been talking. And I said, if I was uh, really obese and I wanted to drop a lot of fat, I'd be looking hexarelin because there's zero. If anything, it makes you want not to eat, Steve. If I was lean, like underweight, and I struggle to eat, GHRP6 because I'd want that boost in my appetite. I want to be able to put in a – I've seen guys ask, they're talking about three meals a day, and what supplements can I take? What's, what drugs can I take? And I'm like, why don't you just have another meal? But that's actually an issue for some. Not for many, Steve, it has to be said. But GHRP6 would be perfect because you go now, it's making you hungry. It makes you want to eat. You and I talked about Sustan on a previous podcast when we said Sustanon for me was a drug combined with Deca that I was thinking about the next meal while I was eating the meal that was in front of me. So that's how that's how much my, my appetite increased. And that's why it was an absolutely amazing bulking cycle. For for me, GHRP2 is right in the middle. I, I think to me, I would be looking at this as a lean mass gainer that I'm looking to add in, you know, I feel comfortable where I am with my diet, but I want to add a few more pounds of muscle. I need to increase my appetite a little bit, but I don't want to, I don't want to put on 20, 30 pounds. 
I don't even want to put on £10. I'm looking to put two, three pounds of additional muscle tissue on. For me, again, if I was a competitive bodybuilder, this would be a great job just to add a few more pounds of tissue to increase my appetite a little bit to get all the additional benefits of growth hormone and just adding a few, literally two or three pounds of muscle tissue in exactly the right places. So this would be, for me, that sort of drug that I would use. And again, not super harsh, not not excessive, not doesn't come with a crazy amount of side effects. We'll get into all that in a minute, guys. But again, it's right there in a sweet spot for someone looking to add a little bit of nice, complete, in the right place, lean muscle tissue, without taking 20, 30 pounds of fat off me because, again, you know, it depends on where you are as an athlete. So not every single person needs to use the same combination because not every single one of us is built the same way, has the same problems with food, the, the hunger issues, is overweight, underweight, or whatever else. And therefore, you pick what is appropriate for you. As I said in a previous podcast, don't take a drug because it's popular. Take a drug in this particular case because it's useful to what your requirements are, Steve. Let's get into the rest of it. So how does GHRP2 work? So look, it was perfectly designed. These mad scientists wanted to put something together, <laughs> and they did. The intention was releasing growth hormone from the pituitary gland. And these mechanisms will help produce lean body gains. And you're going to have some nice, good, clean muscle gains on this stuff. Um, look, GHRP2, it's a ghrelin agonist. It helps promote the secretion of human growth hormone in two ways. For one, it acts to boost growth hormone through amplification and transduction pathway. Also, it suppresses the action of somatostatin and somatostatin. Somo, soma tostatin is a hormone that limits the release of growth hormone. So our last podcast, we talked about hex, same thing. Hex acts the same way. So not only it, it boosts your growth hormone, but it also reduces that somostatin. So that is really, really good. Somostatin. And look, GHRP, perfect option to increase your endogenous growth hormone levels. So Rick's really good. Overall, it's a polypeptide chain composed of six amino acids, and it's a great growth hormone releasing peptide. One of the favorites out there. Bye, guys. So, mobster, one time. Yeah, go ahead. Very quick science lesson, guys. So, you're a scientist, a mad scientist, like Steve said, and you're researching in peptides. You, and we're talking about amino acids here. It's the more or less, and it's tweaking things tiny. Is what happens, guys. So nine times out of ten, we're talking about rats or mice or, or rabbits being tested on, and they're looking for specific responses. And so here's here's what I think, Steve. You, you're researching peptides, and you tweak one of the aminos, and then you take that tweaked new peptide, and you test it on mice. The previous batch of mice with a different peptide gained the equivalent of, in a human being, 200-pound human being, the equivalent of four pounds of muscle tissue. But they ate loads and loads and loads of vegetable fucking mice food. You go, right. So the next peptide, they only gained the equivalent in a human being of two pounds, but they ate half their regular food. Well, wow, we've decreased their appetite, but we've increased a lean mass gain, and it's not as aggressive as the last drug. And that's how kind of research works. Now, of course, what ultimately ends up happening is that a lot of peptides are specifically created to treat specific medical conditions. 
And so when we look at the benefits, you'll see that they would treat certain medical conditions. And equally, the side effects will be the same as some medical conditions. And this is the way that drug creation and specifically pharmaceutical uh, drug creation tends to happen. I mean, I'm oversimplifying this, Steve, as you can imagine, for the benefit of, 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 of our podcast. But again, that's pretty much how it works. And then it has to be, can we use this in medical and clinical situations? And is it crazy expensive versus is it relatively cheap for us to create? If we can create one peptide, we can create the other. The cost is more or less the same, but is the benefit versus cost ratio. And that's the way a big pharmaceutical company is going to work. So we look at those kind of things. Let's look at the benefits and let's look at the side effects, Steve. All right, so let's talk about dosage and usage here. Um, look, just like other peptides we've talked about in our peptide series, it's going to come in a powder form. Um, it's going to come in the mail as a vial. Yeah. And look, very important to mix it correctly. If you don't mix it correctly, you'll ruin it. Very yes. important to store it correctly. You don't store it correctly, you'll ruin it. Yeah. So as soon as it gets to your mailbox... You go get it. Don't let it sit in your mailbox for two days in the heat or or in the bad weather. You want to grab it, put it in your refrigerator before you mix it. The long, the long, the, if you put it in the refrigerator, it's going to last longer. It's going to be more, more stable. It's going to be more quality. Yeah. So when you're ready to go ahead and constitute it and use it, you want to use the backwater or you can use the sodium chloride. You mix it very, very carefully. Don't squirt it directly on the powder. You want to kind of like basically okay. let it dribble into. Yes. What I'd like to do is put the put the vial upside down and then kind of carefully go in with a needle at an angle and then just let it dribble into the vial. Instead of squirting it into the vial and being impatient, just slowly let it dribble where the water kind of sits in the vial and then you just let it mix. It'll, it'll mix on its own. You can turn it a couple times, but you don't want to shake it. You don't want to do anything. It's very, very fragile. Treat it very carefully. Now, once it's mixed, you can go ahead and start injecting it. And you want to basically store it in your refrigerator going forward. That's going to make it last longer. Should should last you, you know, should last you a month in the fridge, no problem. You want to make sure after you inject it, you don't leave it on the counter. Don't let it sit it out. That will ruin it. If it sits out on the counter for the, for, for the day because you forgot to put it back in the fridge, it happened, it's happened to me before, it will ruin it. Use a sub-Q injection. Use a slim pin. Carefully draw the amount you want and then go ahead and inject it. Stomach fat is a popular place to inject it, but it really doesn't matter where you inject it. Just don't inject it into a vein or anything like that or through a vein. Just uh, find a place to inject. Some people like to inject into their shoulders. So people just like to do the belly fat, just pull up your belly fat and inject it in there and rotate, rotate sites should be fine. So look, you can take GHRP at high dosages if you want, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I would start at a normal dose two to three times a day between hundred micrograms and 300 micrograms per injection. So if you're new to it, why don't you, why don't you start on the lower end, hundred micrograms, maybe 150 micrograms twice a day, go from there. If you're more experienced, you can hit it three times a day at 300 micrograms. So really 1,000 micrograms, 900 micrograms will be the absolute max. Now, if you wanted to go a little higher, you go up to 1,200 micrograms. If you're experienced with it, 
Um, and that is an option. Now, <clears throat> only if you're experienced. Highly advisable, you use a GHRH with it. Um, and that would be a really, really good one uh, to to really good good stack because you're going to maximize the effectiveness of the pulse wave combination in accessing pituitary pathway to release growth hormone. So we'll talk about some GHRHs in our podcast uh, as the peptide series continues. So keep yeah. an eye on that, and they'll they'll have some good options. So. GHRHs, there's different ones that you can try. So an example of a GHRH would be CJC, which we're going to talk about as well on our podcast. So check out that podcast and we'll, uh, you know, just stack it the same way that they're supposed to be dosed. And that works really good. So you don't have to, you can use a GHRP2 by itself, but if you use it with a GHRH, you can really maximize things and get really cover all your bases. So Side effects. Uh, Mobster, you want to talk about side effects? Yeah. So I mean, what we've seen in previous examples when we reference peptides, guys, and it, again, it's dose-dependent and specific to your response to a drug as usual, but you're looking for potential effects including elevated levels of cortisol and prolactin, especially, for example, as I just referred to, uh, if users are dosing in the higher ranges, for example, 200 micrograms per injection. Common side effects, and again, this is actually probably to many of the growth hormone peptides because growth hormone peaks when you're asleep. And that is sometimes in the case of GHRP2, a sense of lethargy and tiredness, especially when you first use it, Steve. Uh, I think sometimes uh, users will find it happening in the morning, the first few injections, but essentially the body adapts and you get used to it and you crack on. Uh, at night time, which is another reason why we talk about dosing and times of dosing, uh, that would be lethargic would be great. It just means you're ready to go to sleep. And it, typical, of course, of a growth hormone uh, is, for, again, for some users, uh, it's actually a sign for some users that you're actually taking legit growth hormone, which is mild water retention, tingling, uh, a certain sense of numbness, and decreased insulin sensitivity have been catalogued as effects of GHRB2. And again, this would be across a broad spectrum of users. That would be the, the underweight, the overweight, the young, the old, the male, the female, and so on and so forth, both in animal testing and human testing. So not everybody gets all of these effects. Again, positive effects, which is the reason why we're looking to use this drug in the first place, Steve, of course, would be, and this is again true of all peptides, but specifically for GHRP2, decreased body fat and increase in lean body mass, and as I mentioned just now, increase sleep. An increase in IGF-1 production, that's your own production, increase in bone density and cellular repair. And again, there are specific enhancements that each of the peptides has. For example, in this particular case, a mild increase in your hunger versus GHRP-6. But there are also commonalities across all the peptides and all growth hormones, all the peptides, are great at tissue repair, are great at injury recovery. And again, when does the body produce the majority of this growth hormone? When you're asleep, when you are fasting, when you are between your last meal and your morning meal. Uh, as Steve said, that's the biggest growth hormone pulse that other times is around training. And while GHRP2 has good and bad side effects, it should be taken into consideration that compared, for example, to hexarelin, or GHRP6, it's actually the mildest to GHRP2 next in line to 
Eparin Morellin, uh, which would be arguably considered the moralist. And again, guys, tools in a toolbox. You choose what is most appropriate to your specific requirements, your body type, your condition, uh, whether you're lean, whether you're overweight, and what you're looking to get out of it, and how you train, what your nutrition and, 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 uh, training is like. These things need to be taken into consideration. And again, the, the results differ from individual to individual. So the numbers that we give you, and that includes dose shooting, is the commonality. It is what would be what would most users experience versus all users. And it's that sort of aiming in the middle, Steve. As a good example, there are in the in the article that we're associating uh, with this podcast, there is an, a, an actual graph that shows you the difference between a placebo and a use of GHRP2 in that mild hunger increase. Uh, and it was a measured uh, how much kilojoules or calories is another way. Kilojoules is a measure of calorific uh, heat production, I believe, Steve. Um, and that's what they use in the study. That's the measure they use. And it was a specific and noticeable increase that you can see in the graphic that we've included. Back to you, Steve. Look, so let's go over to overall benefits. And and these are benefits. A lot of you go, you know, anti-aging clinics, you know, um, those of you who go to them, and they'll want to sometimes put you on these peptides and they want to put you on holding human growth hormone. They want to put you on TRT, the whole nine work, uh, you know, whole nine yards. And, you know, let's go over the benefits of these that are backed by, by some studies out there. So number one benefit when it comes to your organs, when it comes to your kidneys, when it comes to your heart, um, using GHRP2, we've seen evidence it can help balance your cholesterol levels can help increase your kidney function. It can help lower your blood pressure. Okay. These are all things in conjunction with anti-aging properties of, of growth hormone. So it's interesting to see how much of a benefit that you can get. If your growth hormone levels in your body are existingly low, taking a growth hormone peptide like this can really make a difference in your life. And it can increase and help the way your organs function as well. Another thing is with the skin. We talked about this on prior podcasts. We talked about this on this podcast. Skin tone. Your skin tone will improve. Your elasticity will improve. The way your yeah. skin is. You know, you ever see people that have really, really bad skin? Maybe this is uh, maybe this is uh, going to help them. Another thing too, body fat. Now, some people react incredibly well when it comes to body fat, and some people don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes to these growth hormone peptides, you may have really good results, like just being on, on GHRP2 for a couple of weeks. You may notice, like you look at yourself in the mirror, like, wow, look like I leaned up a lot. Some may not. It just depends on the situation. Now, overall, increasing lean muscle mass, this is a big one when it comes to these. It's not like just jumping on a bunch of testosterone, a bunch of anadrol, a bunch of D-ball, just no, no, no. blowing up and gaining 20 pounds and just getting all watery looking. That's not what this is all about. This is about lean muscle mass. So this is what you want to, if you're, when it comes to muscle, this is what you want to, to go after when it comes to this. It's not something that's going to blow you up and you're not going to gain 30 pounds, 40 pounds on your bench press. Okay. Running GHP two. So if that's what you're looking for, use steroids, use anabolic steroids. Don't be messing with these peptides because you're going to be disappointed. But if you want lean body muscle mass, and maybe a slight increase in strength, very, very slight, then this is what this is going to give you. Now, another thing, mood and memory, it's going to get you in a better mood. 
If you got low growth hormone, it makes sense. Just like if you have low testosterone, you may not feel good. You're not going to have good mood. So if you if you level things off and you get your GH to where it needs to go, it's going to help your mood. It's going to help your energy, energy levels with growth hormone. Now, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks if you've got low growth hormone and you go on GHRP2. It could hit you like right away. You'd be like, whoa, I have all this energy that I didn't have yesterday. Well, now you know why. Because you went from low, having low GH in your body to where your GH should be. Just like testosterone levels. You go from having low testosterone levels to just having normal testosterone levels. Your testosterone levels go from 200 nanograms per deciliter to 600 nanograms per deciliter going on TRT. And you're like, wow, I feel so much better. Well, it's the same thing here. The GHRP2 is going to make you feel better. And the last thing is eliminating cellulite. And cellulite is something we see in a lot of people, especially as we get older. Um, and it kind of, it's one of those things, cellulites, it's fat cells that push up against the skin and you get the tough connective cords pulled down and you get an uneven surface or dimpling. That's called cellulite. I think cellulite is kind of sexy, like in an older woman, like a woman who's in her 40s and 50s, a little cellulite is kind of sexy to me. But a lot of people are like, oh, my God, cellulite. <laughs> you know, they're like they're, they're like ages, you know, they got to be like, you know, go after 20 year old girls who don't have that yet. <laughs> but look, when it comes to GHRB2, I think when it comes to cellulite, you want to target it as a preventative measure. It's not something that's going to you're just going to take it for a couple of weeks. It's going to cure your cellulite. It's going to be gone. But it, it's gonna kind of it's gonna kind of help. It's gonna help mitigate it along uh, along the time. So usually it kind of is around your thighs, hips, buttocks, and and admin, admin, you know, around your stomach. So yeah, and, and you know, so overall, uh, give it a shot. GHRP two. We'll have more peptides on future podcasts. I think these peptides are definitely um, you know they have their place. They're cheaper than using human growth hormone. They're more flexible yep. than using human growth hormone. And, you know, you can definitely use them to your advantage here. Um, they do have a lot of benefits. So give it a shot. If you want, if you like the GHRPs and you don't want the hunger issues, go with the two over the six. That's pretty much going to be the main difference when it comes to both of them. But there are some differences as well. So I want to make sure... You guys hit up our podcast and kind of learn more about these. But yeah, these peptides are so many different peptides out there. And there's so much to learn when it comes to peptides and they all have little differences. It's are really fascinating. So Mobster, finish us off with your final thoughts and take us in a disclaimer. Right, guys. Sometimes it sounds like an old man giving you advice and you younger guys be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And shaking your head and not listening. But as per usual, with any peptide, growth hormone, whatever else, to fits, it's stupid, boring stuff, guys. And Steve and I, again, we agree 100, 101% on this. Going to bed early and switching your phone off and not watching TV at the foot of your bed and whatever else and getting a solid night's sleep will benefit you. Now, when you're using a peptide like GHRP2 or growth hormone or any of the peptides, and you want to get the best out of them, go into bed early, 
adds to that. So not only are you doing that for yourself, you're doing it and you're getting boosting the effects of the peptide juice. And it doesn't matter which of our peptides we're talking about. The same thing regards training and the same thing regards nutrition. I say it again and again and again, but it's worth repeating just if this is the first time you've ever listened to these kind of podcasts. And it's simple as this, to get the best again, not just going to bed, but your training must be on point. Can't just slop your ass training and eat like a pig and be stuffing your face and hoping the peptide is going to take up the slack. No. If you have a great diet plan and you know that your training is going as best you possibly can and you're taking time to recover, you're working on, on recovery, Steve, you're taking rest days, you're getting massages, then the, you're boosting the additional benefits that you're going to get from the peptide. So that's the advice. Take it from me. I'm an older fella, and I'm a big older fella. And the, the bigger I get and the older I get, the less quality sleep I get. It's really, it's kind of annoying sleep, but it's so aging. So therefore, these kind of peptides, and as I said on our previous podcast, I can see something like this in my future very soon. It's going to boost my deep and restful sleep with everything else combined. Please note, we are not doctors. And these opinions on these shows are hours and hours alone. Yes, our viewing is based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast of informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.